we'd like to take up again our subject where we'd left off last week about being born again. In St. John, the third chapter and the third verse, Jesus answered Nicodemus and said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Why is it so important that a man must be born again? And Jesus says that in the seventh verse. He said, marvel not that I said unto you, ye must be born again. There's a must on there. If a man is not born again, he's still in the flesh. He still has the mind of the flesh. He'll still do the things of the flesh. And folks, we know that Romans, the eighth chapter and the eighth verse says that, so they that are in the flesh cannot please God. So if we're in the flesh, there's no way possible that we can please God. That's why the change has to be there. Now let's go back up to Romans, the eighth chapter and the fifth verse again. Let's go over that again. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. Now listen to this, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. That's why there has to be a change. Now back over to St. John 3 and 6, Jesus speaking here again. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. He knew that that carnal mind would be subject to the flesh and wouldn't be subject to the laws of God. That's why he said, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. It has, you have to be born again. There has to be a change. Now, Jesus says here in Matthew, the ninth chapter in the 16th verse, no man putteth a piece of new cloth unto an old garment. No, you've got to take off the old and put on the new. It doesn't work. For that which is put in to fill it up, taketh from the garment, and the rent is made worse. Now, folks, the flesh and the spirit does not work together. You have to put off the flesh in order to take on the spirit. Let's read here in the 17th verse. Neither do men put new wine into old bottles. What happens? Else the bottles break and the wine runneth out and the bottles perish. That's what'll happen to a person that tries to mix the flesh with the spirit. They'll perish because they can't be subject to the laws of God. That fleshly mind will not adhere to God's word. Now listen to what it says. But they put new wine into new bottles. Now what happens when it's done right? And both are preserved. It'll endure forever. It won't pass away because it's preserved. Now let's go to First Peter, the first chapter and the 23rd verse. We went over this last program. Being born again, not of corruptible seed. See, corruptible seed or a corruption means it's something that will rot. It will decay. It's going to pass away. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, no, not of the flesh, but of incorruptible. Now, something that's incorruptible will not perish. It will not fade away. And it shows us what that incorruptible is that we're supposed to be born again by. Let's read the whole thing. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. Now, what is the incorruptible? By the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. It's preserved. It's going to endure forever. Now, let's read Jude. 
the first chapter, well, there's only one chapter in Jude, in the first verse, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father, listen to this now, and preserved in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the word of God made flesh. That's what preserves us. That's what keeps us. That's that incorruptible, incorruptible seed. Now, remember, Matthew said that you could not mix the two. You can't put a new over the old. There has to be a change. You can't put new wine into old bottles. The bottles will perish. They will burst and perish. But if we put the new wine into the new bottles, both are preserved. They're kept. Preserved in Jesus Christ. Preserved in the word. Preserved by the incorruptible seed, that word of God. Now, let's look at St. John 12 and 23. And Jesus answered them saying, the hour is come that the son of man should be glorified. He knew he was going to have to die. He knew he was going to have to go to the grave and to be raised to eternal life. 24th verse, verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Thank God that Jesus went to the cross, folks. Because if he hadn't have went to the cross, then we wouldn't be here today. His death produced much fruit. Our Savior died, and they put him in the ground. But again, his death, when he raised his death, burial, and resurrection brought life to me and you. That's what the 24th verse is talking about. That corn of wheat, it went into the ground. That word of God, it went into the ground. But folks, when it was raised to eternal life, that's what brought life to me and you, that word of God, that eternal word, that incorruptible word. Now the 25th verse, he speaks of the change. Listen, he that loveth his life, if a man loves his own ways, his life, the life that he had in this world, what's going to happen to him? He shall lose it. Let's read it again. He that loveth his life shall lose it. Why? The wages of sin is death. And he that hateth his life, what's it talking about in this world? This man that's sick of the world, what's going to happen to him? He shall keep it. Why? Because he's had a change. He shall keep it unto eternal life. He'll have that eternal seed, that incorruptible word of God. He'll turn away from this world and turn to God and his life will be preserved. Now, the first part of the 26th verse, if any man serve me, what do you got to do? Let him follow me. Now, how do you follow Jesus? Well, Jesus shows us how to do that in, in uh, Matthew, the 16th chapter, the 24th verse. Then Jesus said unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, how do you follow? How do you follow Jesus? Let him deny himself. Let him deny his life in this world. Let him deny the things that he wants. And what does he do? Take up his cross, follow Jesus Christ. That's what he said. And follow me. Now in the 25th verse, he goes over the same thing. John said, for whosoever will save his life, John said, love his life for whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. Now, if you love this world again, you're going to lose it. Why? The wages of sin is death. Whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life, what's that mean? He's putting off this world. He's putting off the way that he used to live. What's going to happen to him? And whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. That's what will happen to him. He'll find life in Jesus Christ. 
the word of God. In him is life, is what St. John says. And that life was the light of man. Let's just go to that. St. John 1 and 4 says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. He showed mankind how to walk in a dark and perverse world. Now, what does that light do? And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehendeth it not. Why does it why doesn't it comprehend it? Because it's still in the flesh. It's minding the things of the flesh. That's why it can't comprehend the things of God. It can never comprehend the things of the spirit because it's still in the flesh. Oh, but when the change comes, yes, you can see the kingdom of God. You must be born again to see the kingdom of God. And friend, that born again is putting off the old and putting on the new. That life was the light of men. The way Jesus walked, it was an example. It lightened our way in this world. Now, First Peter, the second chapter in the 21st verse says, For even hereunto were ye called. This is where God is calling every man and every woman. Because Christ also suffered for us. What did he do when he suffered for us? There is something for us to do, folks, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. Folks, you have to follow the footsteps of Jesus Christ. You have to leave this world. You have to be set apart. That's what Jesus meant when he said unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. What are the footsteps of Jesus? Folks, it's an example of suffering, putting off this world and following Jesus Christ. His footsteps, and what was, what was his footsteps? The 22nd verse, 1 Peter 2 and 22. Who did no sin? Neither was guile found in his mouth. You know, folks, I wonder if some people think that Jesus was just kidding or just joking about what he said in Matthew, the 24th chapter. He said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. I wonder if he was he was kidding about when he said denying yourself. Folks, I don't think Jesus was kidding one bit. Because you cannot follow Jesus unless you deny yourself and take up your cross. What does it mean by taking up your cross? Well, taking up your cross, there's a cross for you and there's a cross for me. When Jesus took up his cross, he was doing the will of the Father. He wasn't doing his own will, and I'll prove that, and I'll show you when he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. Let's go to Matthew, the 26th chapter, and the uh, 36th verse. Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and said unto his disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then said he unto them, My soul is exceedingly, exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here, and watch with me. And he went a little farther, and fell on his face, and prayed, O my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Folks, he did not want to die. That was Jesus, his, that was his will. Well, let's see. Nevertheless, not as I will. See, that was Jesus' will. He didn't want to die. No, he came here a natural man, folks. He had to face the flesh just like you and I. But thank God he left us an example of overcoming. He got willing to take up his cross, folks. 
And that's the same way it is with you and I. You and I will have to be willing to take up our cross if we want to follow Jesus. That's why we preach the cross. That's why we preach Christ crucified. Let's go to 1 Corinthians, the first chapter and the 23rd verse. But we preach Christ crucified, a man not doing his will, but a man that's doing the Father's will. Unto the Jews a stumbling block. And unto the Greeks, foolishness. Yes, it's foolish to this world, folks, for a man to suffer. I'll tell you what, let's go to the 18th verse. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish, foolishness. Now, now, who is it foolishness to? To a person, a person that is perishing. How do you know that he's perishing? He's got the world in his heart. He can't comprehend the things of the spirit. It's foolishness to him. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish, foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. We can see the purpose of a man suffering, of a man willing to take up his cross. That perfect example, as you can find in 1 Peter, the second chapter, again, the 21st verse. For even hereunto were you called. Yeah, God is calling you to this place. God's wanting you to take up your cross because Christ also suffered for us. Folks, if that's not taking up your cross. I don't know what is, or taking up his cross. Yes, he suffered. When he suffered, folks, he took up his cross. Yeah, praise his holy name. He was willing to die for us. But that was an example for even hereunto were you called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. What do you do when you're following his steps? Take up your cross and follow me is what Jesus said. Well, what about a person that says that you don't have to take up your cross because Jesus took up his cross and you don't have to take up yours? Folks, that's not the teaching of God's word. That's what this program is about. The plain, simple truth. Folks, someone that's telling you that is misleading you in the word of God. They don't have understanding. They don't have the wisdom of the cross. For the preaching of the cross is them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Now, folks, here is understanding and wisdom. Turn to Job, the 28th chapter and the 28th verse. And unto man he saith, Behold the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to depart from evil is understanding. Now, folks, a man that tells you that you don't have to depart from evil does not have a good understanding. A man that will tell you that you can still be in corruption, that's not good understanding what Job says. I want the fear of the Lord. I want wisdom, don't you? Now, let's see what Psalms 111 and 10 says. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, A good understanding have all they that do his commandments. Now, folks, when a person tells you you don't have to do anything, just confess Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, and you don't have to do anything else, folks, I'm afraid that man's misleading you because you will have to do his commandments. If you're born again, you're going to do the commandments. You're going to mind the things of the Spirit. Now, that's good understanding. A man that tells you anything different, he doesn't have good understanding. A man that tells you don't have to depart from evil, that's not good understanding. Let's read it again. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do, do something to do, a work, that do his commandments. Now let's go to James, the first chapter. Start out about the 21st verse here. 
Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness, yeah, come out of the world, and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word. You lay the world aside, receive the engrafted word. What will that engrafted word do for you? Which is able to save your souls. Now listen, be ye doers of the word. Same thing that Psalm says, same thing that Job said. Listen, for be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. What are you when you're just a hearer only? Deceiving your own self. That man does not have good understanding. 23rd verse. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For behold, for he beholdeth himself and goeth his way. He don't go the Lord's way. He's not got the change. He may hear the word, but there's something there that's keeping the word from producing fruit. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, that's God's word, and continues therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer. This man is doing something. What about the man that says you don't have to do anything? That God's word says you do have to, but a doer of the work, a doer of the work. Yes, it is a work. Now, what's going to happen to this man that's a doer? This man should be blessed in his deed. Now, the 26th verse, if any man among you seem to be religious, he just seems to be, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart. The word of God said he's deceived his own heart. This man's religion is in vain. It's not worth a plug nickel, is it, folks? But true religion is. It'll give us eternal life someday. Now let's go to St. John, the eighth chapter and the 31st verse. Then Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, if ye continue in my word, did they believe on him? Yes, they did. But they, in order to be a disciple, they still had to do something. They had to continue. If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. Listen to what he says. And ye shall know the truth, continuing in the word. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Oh, they answered. They answered him. We are Abraham's seed. We are never in bondage to any man. Folks, that same spirit's in the land. How sayest thou, ye shall be, ye shall be made free? Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, boy, he nails it down. No excuse. Whosoever committeth, that man keeps sinning. That's a continuation. Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. Folks, you can't get by with it. No, you're not going to serve two masters. If you're committing sin, you're the servant of sin. You're not the servant of God, but a server of sin. Now let's go back over to Romans, the sixth chapter. If he's show you, he's saying the same thing here. Paul is Romans, the sixth chapter. Let's, uh, let's start the 14th verse for sin shall not have dominion over you. Why we're in Jesus. We're made free for sin shall not have dominion over you for ye are not under the law, but under grace. I'll show you what he's talking about. What then shall we sin? Well, that's what they're saying because we are not under the law and under grace. 
God's answer was, God forbid. Let's see if he's not saying the same thing John said in his record of Jesus when Jesus said, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. 16th verse, Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom you obey. Whether of sin unto death, yeah, you'll get death, folks, if you'll sin, or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were in past tense now the servant of sin. How do you know you're not servant of sin? I'm not serving it. If I yield my members to, to sin, I'm a servant of sin. But now I'm yielding my members unto God, a servant of righteousness. 17th verse again, but God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which delivered you. You're made free from sin. It delivered us from sin. Ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. What are you serving out there today? Are you a servant of God? If you are, you're going to serve the word. You're going to serve him by doing the word. That's how you can tell that you're a child of God. That's how you can tell that you're born again. I'm a child of God, a child of the king. I've been set free by the blood of Jesus Christ. Folks, sin is darkness. And if we're in sin, we're in darkness. Let's go to 1 John, the first chapter and the fifth verse. This then is the message which ye have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness or sin, we lie and do not the truth. We're deceiving ourselves. But if we walk in the light, the light of his word, the glorious gospel of Christ, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, Christ is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. Then what happens? A doer of the word. We're set free from sin. Then what happens? And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. That's where the blood is at. It is the blood of the word. When we walk in the word, we have the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what it is. This is the blood of the New Testament. That's what First Peter the first chapter of the 22nd verse says, seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth. Where's the purification come? In obeying the truth. The truth is the word. That's where the blood is at. That's how you're purified in the blood, in the word. Ephesians 5 and 25, husbands love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Why did he die for the church? That he might sanctify and cleanse it. How? Through the washing of water by the word, cleansed through the word, the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm running out of time. God bless you.